Well, good morning, church family. It's a, a good day to be able to join together here midweek as we find ourselves on October the 21st of 2020. As we approach the next section here in Psalm 119, as we take a look at verses 73 to 80 uh, in part one today, is, and we finish next week with part two, I've entitled this section, Hoping in God's Word. So before we actually read the text together and we, we jump into those first four verses, let's uh, just uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for the chance to dig deeper into your word here on Wednesday as we find ourselves midweek already and as we anticipate what you have for us to give us the energy and the wherewithal to finish out this week well as we look forward to our time gathering together on Sunday. Uh, Lord, we just want to give you the honor, the praise, and the glory and help us to see and to understand the importance of hoping in your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 119, let me begin reading verse 73 and following as we are in this section of Yod. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. And may my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. So hoping in God's word. Let's take a look at some reasons why it is good for us to hope in God's word as we take a look at verse 73. You notice the psalmist starts out here saying that your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Now, this section is the next Hebrew letter, Yod, uh, which is actually uh, represents the small Hebrew letter that we read about and, and we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 where it says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota. Uh, that, that word iota or a jot in, in your translation is that same Hebrew letter that we are reading in Psalm 119 today. And you'll notice that he says, Your hands have fashioned me. Well, the thing that the psalmist is pointing out here and embracing as an encouragement, as a hoping in relation to who God is in his word, is the fact that God is the creator that everything that you see is not by chance. It did not just randomly come together, uh, but is a testimony to a, 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 the intelligent design of the creator God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So right here in, in the prophet Isaiah's uh, words, uh, giving testimony fact to our God is an everlasting God. Uh, and that fact that he does not faint or grow weary. And that in relation to anything we can think of, anything that we can speak of, his understanding of it is unsearchable. So in other words, there is a depth to God that you cannot put a tangible thing or hold a tangible uh, item too, because it's unsearchable. It is so in depth, so enlightening 
that uh, we can never fully understand everything there is to know that God understands. But also in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, uh, it also speaks uh, in relation to the creator God as it, it takes a, a look at Jesus Christ. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So here we have a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, the one who took on human flesh to walk amongst us for us to see uh, him firsthand as uh, the, the image of the invisible God, because Jesus is God. Uh, and to know that, that that Jesus who walked amongst us, the God who is the creator, uh, who was able to fashion everything out of nothing, uh, chose to come uh, to show uh, his dominion over all, to show that he, uh, in love, would offer himself as that sacrifice, the same one who holds everything together. And you'll notice the psalmist says, your hands have made and fashioned me. So again, uh, it, this is not just a random pulling together, a random throwing together. Uh, when it says in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So the same all-powerful God that, that has created everything that is known to us, but also everything that is unknown to us. He has created everything, and he did so out of nothing. Uh, has taken the time to fashion, as the psalmist says, or as it says in Genesis 2, to form us. So there's great care that has been taken. God did not just throw us together on some cosmic assembly line, uh, but instead we are each a masterpiece of God's design. And those same hands give the psalmist understanding so that he may learn God's word. Because listen to what he goes on to say. After saying, your hands have made and fashioned me, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So the same hands that have made and fashioned the psalmist and you and me is also the same hands that can give us understanding so that we can learn God's word. So that we can learn who God is. Uh, and the thing is, we have to realize that there are many people who misunderstand not only God himself as the creator God, because they don't even see him as creator or as God, but they also misunderstand his word. And so as those who have been redeemed and changed by the blood of Jesus Christ through faith in his finished work, we are, are given something that the world uh, desperately needs, and that's the truth something that does not change, something that God can help us to begin to understand why we're here, who God is, and what God has for us. See, the psalmist wants the ability to see the all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful creator. Well, he doesn't stop there because let's move on to verse 74. It says, those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. So here we have that word hoped uh, being used, and, and the title of this, this section is Hoping in God's Word. Uh, and notice that the psalmist uh, realizes that he can actually be a visible witness of the grace of God in his life. He says, those who fear you, so it's not a fear of the psalmist, it's a fear of God, shall see me and rejoice. 
So the, the psalmist realizes that he has the opportunity to live out the word of God before others so that those who have a like precious faith, a particular connection that happens from that like precious faith, brothers and sisters in Christ, to give them the ability to rejoice because God has shown his grace and his mercy uh, in the life of the psalmist, but also in their lives as well. Um, Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1, uh, as a servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he starts uh, out this uh, second letter. It says, To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So Peter even recognizes this obtained faith uh, that gives an equal standing because we were all in the same boat. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And now we are on equal standing because of not something that we did, but by the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we have a common bond, a particular connection that the world can never experience apart from God. Uh, and it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. So whoever brings blessing will be enriched. So think and ask yourself the question as you're preparing to face this day, or maybe it's midday, or maybe you're done with your work day. But what, what are some ways that you can cause others to rejoice in our common faith? What are some ways that you can tangibly help others who fear God to see you, but in turn really see God in you and rejoice? Well, one of the simplest ones is the fact that we are in this section hoping in God's word. So God's word can be the first and foremost one that you can think of. Ways that you can cause others to rejoice in our common faith. Uh, because the psalmist says that he hopes in God's word. Because the psalmist understands what it says in Psalm 19.8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord uh, or the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Because God's word can do something that no human being can do. No matter how much good intention, no matter what they may think they can do or, or say or implement, can do what God's word can do in the twinkling of an eye. To actually enlighten the eyes, the psalmist says. Uh, so that it, it actually gives us the ability, as it says in Colossians 3, 2, to set our minds on things that are above and not on the things of this earth. A second way is prayer. And we spoke to this um, this past Sunday uh, as we highlighted the ministry of prayer. Uh, and we can strengthen one another by praying for each other's needs. And the only way that can happen is if we're with one another uh, to, to be able to communicate with one another. And in a sense, what we're doing is we're helping them by helping them carry their burdens. Uh, we can help them in carrying the guilt and anxiety and sorrow they may be experiencing and helping point them to the very cross of Christ so that they can unload those burdens and no longer keep them. But two, there's a, a camaraderie that comes in knowing that, you know, some things you just can't remove. You know, as someone loses a loved one, there's going to be sorrow there. But there's no need to be sorrowful alone uh, because there is a family that exists because of uh, the common faith that we share. A third is gathering for worship and Bible study. 
to do, as it says in Proverbs 27, to be iron that sharpens iron uh, so that we can encourage one another, so that we can uh, speak to how God is using his word to change how we think and how we act. And that will, in turn, cause others uh, to see God and to rejoice. And finally, another one would be encouraging. Uh, to be uh, warm and inviting in how we interact with one another is a good thing as well. Uh, Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Uh, and so that's something that we never cease doing. And it is something that just as the psalmist says here, that those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. Well, let's finish out. I've paired verses 75 and 76 together. And I'll reread those for you. It says, I uh, know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. See, here in verse 75, the psalmist knows because he has seen God deal with him in a righteous manner. And the thing is that we need to differentiate here because he says, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous. And I think it is one thing to acknowledge that God has the right to do whatever he pleases, which we don't have to acknowledge that for that to be true. Uh, but the psalmist in Psalm 135, verses 5 and 6 says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the sea and all the deeps. But I think it's one thing to acknowledge a truth. It's another thing altogether uh, to know and to say that God's rules are right and that he is faithful in being God when the affliction is actually coming from God, where he is causing a, a, a trial to come into our lives to draw us closer to him. And the thing that came to mind as I, I thought about this was uh, the story of Job. Uh, and you know that uh, God gave Satan permission to test Job. And as a result of that, to show Satan that Job was uh, a, a man that uh, trusted God and that he was an upright man. Uh, the, Satan um, causes his property to be lost, his children to be lost, and even his health to be lost. And just before uh, Satan is ready to give up, uh, and ask God to, to take away even his health. Listen to what Job says, because this is the, the whole other thing that I talked about in knowing and saying and, and realizing that God does do whatever he pleases. But when we find ourselves in times of affliction to be able to have this outlook, listen to what Job says. He says, then Job arose, tore his robes, shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. Did you notice that he didn't just go, you know, God, why did you do this to me? What have I done to, to have this happen to me? As he finds himself facing this in the very beginning. Verse 21 goes on to say, and he said, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, and verse 22 is, is, is a beautiful little thought that can be lost in just a cursory, quick uh, reading. And particularly since we have a song that we sing, Blessed Be Your Name. It draws our attention there. But in verse 22, it goes on to say, In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. 
And see, this is the perspective that the psalmist understands because he says, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous. There's no question in my mind because uh, you are a righteous God. He says, and that in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. It is a whole other thing that when things go wrong, when things seem like they're falling apart, when we can't understand what's going on, to say that, you know what, Lord, the Lord you give, you take away, blessed be your name. And to do so with a right heart attitude, because that that phrase, in all this, Job did not sin, is not there by accident. It's for us to understand that even when everything is at a loss, when everything that we know and embrace and hold to uh, is taken away, that that does not change who God is. It reminded me of the song that we sing from time to time, It Is Well With My Soul. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Verse 2 goes on to say, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control, uh, or let, let this blessed assurance control, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. Can you say that with the psalmist, that no matter what may happen, that you can take the truths about who God is and and that he is all-powerful and does only that which is good, that even when things and what are perceived blessings are, uh, as well as those that are true blessings, are taken away, that our focus is still on God and him alone. The psalmist closes in verse 76 and says, Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. And I think this is a beautiful capstone after giving testimony to the fact that everything that happened in relation to his uh, issues that he went through, that it was well with his soul, that he took comfort in the fact that he could trust the rules of a righteous God and that in, in the faithfulness of that same God, even though he was being afflicted, that he need not worry because he was still in God's hands. See, God's steadfast love comfort, comforts each believer as they recount God's promises. Spurgeon said, our prayers are according to the mind of God when they are according to the word of God. Let me say that again. Our prayers are according to the mind of God when they are according to the word of God. So in other words, God's word should be at the forefront of everything that we pray, that we should not pray, uh, you know, separated from the word of God, because really the word of God gives us the right things to pray for uh, and to trust God no matter what, even when things do not turn out the way that we would like them to. Pastor Caden and myself and uh, Amy uh, is the CMA in the office have been going through a book together in our morning uh, devotional called Thirsting After God. And this tied in directly with what we actually learned uh, yesterday on Tuesday. It says, can you recall times when your mind was so fogged up with trouble that you could not think straight or so preoccupied with worry that you had no song in your mouth? Your best plan at times is simply to cling to God and his promises. An added bonus is having decided beforehand what to do if. 
And of course, you fill in the blank. It has been wisely observed that we do not live by God's answers, but by God's promises. And so as we face this uh, remainder of the third week of October, as we are looking for something to hope in, may your hope be in the word of God, which would include hoping in the promises of God, knowing that God will give you what you need when you need it, whether things are everything you could possibly hope for or whether or not they are things outside of that to say that it is well with my soul. So that when sea, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for these truths today. Uh, we thank you for your word, which speaks into our lives. Lord, I pray for each of the church family, Lord, and anyone listening that as they delve deeper into your word, as they see your promises coming true in their lives, Lord, that they would, like the, the psalmist, rejoice along with those who see you working in other people's lives to cause us to rejoice because we have much to be thankful for because you are a God that works in and through us according to your purposes, which we know are always good. Father, just give us uh, a, a great day uh, in, in uh, remembering your promises to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.